Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the podcast at Chesbro Baptist Church. This is a bonus episode here. The title of the sermon is, Why Does God Allow Evil? Now, this was recorded back before I had my recording equipment, so uh, some of the audio isn't the greatest. Some of it has cut out. Other sections might be a little low-volumed. At the same time, I feel that the material in the sermon is really good for any Christian to have. So uh, we'll be asking the question today, why does God allow evil? Take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4 this morning. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4 this morning. Now, tradition says that on the Sunday before Thanksgiving, you preach a message on Thanksgiving. And uh, I was totally prepared to do that. But a couple weeks ago, something happened. Terrible, terrible tragedy happened. And the Holy Spirit made some changes. And so the title of my message this morning is Why Does God Allow Evil? Why Does God Allow Evil? You can remain seated, but we're going to begin reading in Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to begin reading with verse number 14. The Bible says, Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. For they sleep not, except they have done mischief. Their sleep is taken away, unless they cause some to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness, and drink the wine of violence. You know what? Let's pray one last time. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for everything you've done for us. I pray that you'd be with me this morning, Lord. I pray that you'd be with this message. Lord, I pray that you just bless it and bless us as a people. Thank you for everything you've done for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Why does God allow evil to happen? You know, maybe over 20 years ago, we thought that we had seen, seen it all. We thought that maybe we had seen what evil really was and we thought we, we, you know, we, we understood it and we understood war and we understood things like terrorism and such as that. And over 20 years ago, we thought we had seen the worst, maybe. But then something happened that kind of changed the world, didn't it? You know, I remember where I was on 9-11. I was uh, in Bible college in my dorm room and I had a free period that morning. So after morning devotions, I went back to take a nap. I had worked late the night before, and I, I had a free period, and I wanted to take a nap. And so I'm in my bunk bed on, in, in my dorm room, and somebody comes and, and shakes me awake. Now, we didn't have TV in, uh, at, the, at the Bible college I attended, so it was all rumors. And uh, when this, this guy woke me up, he said, hey, uh, somebody crashed a helicopter into the World Trade Center. And so I got up, and I, we started asking around, went to class for a little bit. Like I said, there was no TV on campus. 
So the next, uh, around lunchtime, me and my buddies, we went down to Buffalo Wild Wings, you know, where we go to watch the football game and uh, to eat lunch. And that's when we saw the news and we saw what had really happened. Evil. Evil. Christian, let me tell you something this morning. There, there's some evil out there this morning. You know, and then we hear about this, 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 this tragedy at, a, at the First Baptist Church of Sutherland Springs, Texas. And, and, and even the details are hard to stomach. Can't even, can't even hear the details of, of, of what it is without it turning your stomach. And, you know, it's just, it's just a horrible. It's bad. And, man, think things happen like this and they just come and they punch us in the gut. And we just bubble over because we're just, we're scared and, 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 and we're depressed and we're confused. And we think, man, how, how, could, allow, how could God allow something like that to happen? How could God allow something like that to go down? Why didn't He intervene? What's going on? What's really going on? Why does God allow evil like that to happen? Things like that, they leave us reeling, they leave us heartbroken and confused and scared. So what I'd like to do this morning is I'd just like to take a, a biblical look at it. A theological look at why certain things happen. I don't have all the answers. God's the one who has all the answers. But we're going to look at this, and I'm not going to be very long this morning. I just got a couple of questions that we all want to ask ourselves, and I got a couple of responses that we have to those questions. So here's question number one. I'm going to jump right into it this morning. Why does God allow Evil. Why does God allow evil? When I, I, you know, I managed an oil chain shop in Macomb, Mississippi for 10 years, and I had an assistant manager work for me one time. He called himself an agnostic, but, but he was, he really, he was an atheist. And what he thought was a logical explanation uh, for why he didn't believe in Bible or God. He had a logical explanation for it. And here, here's what it was. He said, number one, a good God would destroy evil. Now I'll stop there. Let's think about that. That sounds like an accurate statement. Looking at it from face value, from a human standpoint, that sounds, it sounds right to us. A good God would destroy evil. So that was number one, his first statement. Number two, an all-powerful God could destroy evil. Man, if we're talking about the God, the creator of the universe, who could speak and light could come into existence and, and things happen at his will and things happen at his whim, if this God is truly omnipotent and he is all-powerful, then he would have the power to destroy evil. You ever say sometimes, man, they're going to be glad I'm not God. I get them. You know? And, you know, uh, 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 so we have here a, a, good, a good God would destroy evil.
An all-powerful God could destroy evil. And here was his next statement. Evil is not destroyed. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that. We can turn around and we can look and, and see and you can watch the news for five minutes, sometimes less than that. You can see a commercial for the news and see how much evil there is in the world. So evil is, is obviously not destroyed. Evil is still there. Number one, a good God would destroy evil. Number two, an all-powerful God could destroy evil. Number three, evil is not destroyed. So what do you say, number four? Therefore, there cannot possibly be such a good and powerful God. And that was his argument. That was his argument. And, and sometimes when somebody gets so entrenched in their beliefs, you can just talk to them and talk to them, you're blue in their face, and it'll just it'll make them dig down deeper. And I tried my hardest to get him to see, but he just wouldn't see. He would just barricade him himself into his line of thought and say, you know, a, a good God would destroy it and an uh, all-powerful God could do it and it's not destroyed yet, so that God must not exist. That was this man's argument. And, you know, and on the surface, to someone who is not grounded in Scripture, it sounds logical. It sounds like it makes sense. To someone who's not grounded in Scripture. To someone who doesn't know the Bible. You know, for, for someone who's experienced some form of tragedy, then, then this would seem logical. If, 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 there, if there was a good God, why wouldn't He just destroy all the evil? Why wouldn't He just snap His fingers and it's all gone? Why wouldn't a good God do that? Well, then why doesn't He? Could it be that he's not a good God? Could it be that the God, the creator of the universe, could it be that he's not good? Huh. Well, what does my Bible say about the goodness of God? Psalms 34, 30, uh, 34 verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. So it's not that. It's not that our God isn't good. Let me tell you something, Christian. You serve a good God today. You serve a great God today. You serve a God that is on the throne that loves you and wants nothing for the best for you. And you serve a God that you can go to the doctor and they can see a tumor and they can do a test and the tumor's gone. So it ain't that. It ain't that we don't serve a good God because, hey, our God is good. All the time, God is good. There was an old preacher. He trained his church. Every time, every time this preacher would say, God is good, the people would say, all the time. So the preacher would say, God is good, and the people would say, all the time. Because God is good all the time. So it's not that God isn't good. That's not the reason why the evil's not gone. Okay, so if God is good, could it be that God is not all that powerful? Could that be the case? If he's good, then he must not be all powerful. Well, once again, let's go to the scripture. 
Isaiah 40 verse 25 through 26. To whom then will ye liken me or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and behold who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by names by the greatness of his might. For he is that strong in power, not one faileth. Let me tell you something. We got a strong God. We got a strong God. He's powerful. He's powerful. You see old Hulk Hogan and them old wrestling shows. Bring out them guns. God's got some big guns. God's strong. God is all powerful. Hey, it's not the fact that God is not good. It's not the fact that God is an all-powerful because He is. Man, do we have the ability to speak something from nothing? No, we don't. Even scientists can't explain it. Scientists can't explain where all this stuff came from. I say, oh, well, it was a big explosion and a bunch of gas exploded and that's where all the... I said, where did the gas come from? And they have no answer. They can take you all the way back to the beginning, but before that, they got nothing. You said, Brother Brent, do you believe in the Big Bang? Kind of. God spoke and bang it happened. You know, so I kind of believe in the Big Bang. But you know what? So, so, it, so God is good. We've established that in the Scripture. We've also established that God is all-powerful. But hold on a second. God is all-powerful, but did you know that there are still some things God cannot do? That's right. There are some things God can't do. There was a Sunday school teacher, I've told this story before, there was a Sunday school teacher in class, and there was a little boy who was, who was causing trouble in the class, and, and it was a question-answer time in the Sunday school class, and the little boy was trying to cause trouble and cause a ruckus, and, and the teacher said, you know, hey, uh, uh, they were talking about how powerful God was and how God could do anything, and, and the teacher stood up there and said, hey, your God can do anything. He can do anything. He's all powerful. And the little boy raised his hand, and the Sunday school teacher rolled his eyes and pointed at the little boy, and the little boy stood up and asked, can God make a rock so heavy that not even he could pick it up? And of course, the teacher's like, uh, uh, you know, but that's just an impossible question. But, uh, you know, th it is true that there are some things that God can't do. So, Brother Brent, what are you talking about? God can do anything. Well, according to this book, one thing God can't do is God cannot lie. God can't lie. The Bible says in Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. He has said he shall not do it. Or hath he spoken and shall he not make it good? God cannot lie. God, 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 God can't tell a lie. You know why? Because that's outside of his character. That is outside of God's character. So therefore he cannot do it. The book of James. The book of James tells us. That God cannot tempt someone to sin, nor can he be tempted to sin. Why? Because to tempt someone to sin would be outside of God's character. 
And for him to be tempted would be outside of his character. So God can do anything, but hey, you know what he can't do? Then uh, he can't do anything outside of his character. Sorry, I lost my place just for a second. The reason why God cannot lie is because he is truth. That's why he can't lie. Uh, He cannot sin or be tempted to sin because God is pure. That's why he can't be tempted to sin. So what so how brother Brad, what are you trying to say? How what, what what do you how do you make sense of all this? God is good and he's all powerful to perform any and all things within his character, yet why do we have evil? Why? Now I'm not I want you to listen closely to this next sentence because it's a little confusing. It's kind of a theological statement. I had to read it a few times before I understood it. So just, I'm going to read it a couple, two times. I want you just to think about it. I'm going to read it real slow. All right, this says, God could not eliminate evil without eliminating the possibility of accomplishing other goals that are important to him. So I'm going to read it one more time and then we're going to talk about it. God, how come he wouldn't destroy evil? God could not eliminate evil without eliminating the possibility of accomplishing other goals that are important to him. So, all right, so Brother Brett, what does that mean? All right, let's talk about it. God created us in his image, right? God created us and hit his image. So he wanted us to be, to be capable of sustaining a personal relationship with him. He didn't create a frog. Uh, he did create a frog, but he didn't create a, create a frog for that purpose. He can't have a personal relationship with a frog. But you can have a personal relationship with a human being. That's why he created us in his image. In order for us to truly be in the image of God, we have to be able to freely love him. We have to freely be able, without being forced, to love God. So if I'm created in his image, God wants me to love him. I have to have a choice. I have to have the ability. The Bible calls it liberty. Anytime in the Bible you see the word liberty, that word liberty is referring to free will. They're interchangeable. When you see the word liberty in your Bible, it means free will. That's what we have. We have free will. Because God, God didn't make a bunch of robots. God didn't make a bunch of robots and androids programmed to love him. No, he doesn't want that kind of relationship with me and you. He wants the kind of relationship where you choose on your own to go to him and to love him and to give him glory. That's the kind of relationship he wants with me and you. He wants us to freely come to him. But, but. You ever hear the expression, there's two sides to every coin? If I'm given the ability to freely love God, I also have to be given the ability to hate and ignore Him. I have to be given that ability. If I'm not given that ability, then guess what I don't have? I don't have free will. I don't have liberty. Hey, how can you have hot without cold? How can you have light without dark? 
They're symbiotic, two sides of the coin. If I, if I have the choice to freely love him, I, in order for me to have that choice, I have to be given the choice to freely hate him. That's, that, that's the choice. And that is, and the thing is, is when we choose to not love him, when we choose to, to hate God, and when we choose to ignore God, that's where suffering comes in. Suffering comes in when we choose to ignore the will of God. God is capable of destroying evil. He is. But not without destroying human freedom. Sorry. He has the ability to destroy evil, but if he destroyed evil, he destroyed our free will. He would destroy our ability to love him. Let me give you an example. The other day, I was going down the road through the change of a hope. busy guy. My stepbrother, he, he's, a, he's a big wig in his company, and so he, he's a busy guy. And so it's been a little while since he said he'd help me out. He said he'd help me when he got time. So the other day, I'm out beside my truck looking at my truck, and you know when it first happened, it was nice, and it was shiny, and when the paint was shipped off, it was shiny gray. But as time went on, something began to appear on the metal. Can anyone guess what that is? Rust. Uh-oh. I'm, the first time I noticed I had rust on my truck door, I almost flipped out. I was like, I would not want my truck to rust. I texted him. I was like, I got rust. You need to hurry up. I don't want no rust on my door. You know, rust will just, just, just it eat the metal up and it'll destroy it. Nobody likes rust. Nobody doesn't like rust. But you know what we do like? I do like my truck. My truck wouldn't be there if it wasn't for the metal that they used to make it. So, if I want to enjoy the metal, I have to endure the rust. You can't have one without the other. You can't. You can't. So, in order for me to enjoy the metal, I have to endure, I have to endure the rust. Because they go hand in hand. The only way to get rid of the rust would be to get rid of the metal. Nobody wants that. So the reason God doesn't destroy evil is because he'd have to destroy us as well. That's the reason why he doesn't destroy it. Okay, all right. 
So what's our response to this? Number two, our response. What's our response to this? Well, that's all fine and dandy. I can understand that. I can track with that. God doesn't want to destroy evil because if God destroyed evil, He would destroy... He couldn't do that without just destroying us. Okay, I, I, I can understand that. But, 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 why is there so much of it? Why do we live in a day and time when you can't even let your kids watch the news? I don't let my kids watch the news. I don't want them seeing, seeing that. My sister, and I'm not saying it's right or it's wrong. That's not what I'm saying. My sister wants her kids to watch the news to each his own. That's my sister's kids. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. But uh, uh, she, you know, Brody, her son, is the same age as Colin. And so she was talking to me the other day. She lives in Michigan. And she was talking to me the other day. And, and, and Brody was in there while they were watching the news. And my sister saw the, saw the report on the church in Texas. And my sister just got real upset. And, and my nephew, Brody, who's uh, nine years old, was beside his mom and said, Mom, I don't know why. Why are you surprised by that? That stuff happens every day. This is a nine-year-old. This is a nine-year-old little boy. Just saw a report of this shooting. People slaughtered and said, Oh, well, that happened all the time. What kind of world are we living in? So I understand what I understand that why you can't destroy evil and why it has to exist. But God answered me this question, why is there so much of it? Why is there so much evil in the world? And here's my answer. Now I want you to pay close attention because this answer is real technical. Why is there so much evil in the world? Here's, here's the answer. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. God, God didn't give us that answer. I wish I had an answer to that. Man, I wish I had an answer to why there was so much evil in the world. I wish I had an answer why someone would take a gun to a little baby. Man, I didn't want to go there, but it's just awful. Man, I wish I had an answer for that, but I don't. I don't have an answer. But just because we are not able to pinpoint reasons for why there was so much evil, that does not mean that reasons don't exist. Just because I can't point out the reason, I can't tell you why, that doesn't mean there's not a reason. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, the Bible says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. That's what God is saying. You, you, you don't think like me, so don't try. Your ways are nothing like my ways, so don't try to understand them. Because my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You know, um... My kids don't always understand the reasons why I allow or don't allow them to do things. They don't always get it. They don't. They, my, my oldest boy, he sees daddy with a pocket knife. Oldest boy, one of us, one of the two. Sees daddy with a pocket knife. Thinks, I want a pocket knife like daddy. I want one that you pull out. 
Just hit the little button and it pops out. You know, I, I, you know, I, well, I want a big one with a clip on it, just like that's God. So he asked me for one. I know he's not ready for it. So I don't give it to him. Because I know something that he doesn't comprehend. I know something that he doesn't know. So, Because God's ways are higher than our ways. You know, it would be unrealistic for, for us to expect to understand all of God's reasons for allowing what he does. So how do we respond to all this? What's our response to this? Number one, here's our first response. We can reflect on what we just discussed. God has his reasons for allowing what goes on. Does God have the power to stop it? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. He does. Let's just be honest. He does. But we have to accept that God has his reasons. God has his reasons. His, his ways are higher than mine. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. He knows things that I do not know. Second, we can allow ourselves to experience emotional pain involved and express it. It's okay to hurt. It's okay to cry. It's okay to feel. Let me tell you something. The book of Psalms this morning is full of instances where the writers are crying out to God, why God, why did you allow this to happen? The book of Psalms is full of them. Full of people, you know, uh, they're, they're, they're crying out about suffering. They're crying out about injustices that they see. In fact, there are almost as many psalms of laments as there are psalms of praise and thanksgiving. And let me tell you, most psalms have both. They have laments and they have praise and thanksgiving in them. Book of Psalms is full of it. We are encouraged to pour out our hearts to God. We can be sure that He understands Remember that God knows what it's like to experience what we experience. Jesus has walked in our shoes. He's been down here. He's lived down here with us. He knows. He knows what it's like. Many believe he knows what it's like to lose a parent. That's why Joseph wasn't around in the crucifixion because Jesus had already lost his earthly father. He already had to bury his dad. Jesus knows what we're going through. Jesus has walked and he's, he's experienced it. And here's the third response. It's to focus on, on one of the greatest truths in Scripture that even in severe trials, God is working. Even in severe, unimaginable, horrific trials, God is still working. Let me read you a verse. It's Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good, not necessarily your good, not necessarily my good, but it works out for the good. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Now, let me say this. This does not mean that somehow evil is good. When you say, oh, well, that was God's will for that to happen. No, it wasn't was not God's will. It wasn't. It does not mean that, that, that evil is good some way. There is no way what happened at that church is good in any way. 
There's no way what happened at those towers is good in any way. You go to these elementary schools where they had the shootings. There is no way that anything that happened that day was good. But that even in suffering, God is able to bring about His good purposes in our lives. Man, even when we walk through that trial, even when we get punched in the gut, God still has a way to bring about His purposes. Suffering can display an opportunity for God to display His glory, make evident His mercy, faithfulness, power, and love in the midst of painful circumstances. Suffering can also allow us to give proof of the genuineness of our faith and even serve to purify our faith. Man, when you're going through a trial, it's when your faith is tested. Severe trials also provide an opportunity for believers to demonstrate their love for each other as members of the body of Christ who bear one another's burdens, as mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12. These are just a few, but there are others. Now, here's number three. Here's my last point. It won't be very long, and I'm almost done. God's ultimate triumph. God's ultimate triumph. We've seen that God has not destroyed evil because in order to do that, He'd have to destroy us. We've looked at some responses to evil and suffering, but, but there's another aspect to this. There's another aspect to this, and that is to look ahead. To look ahead. Let me tell you something this morning, Christian. God can't destroy evil, but let me tell you, He will defeat it. He will defeat evil. When you have a book and you want to find out what's happened, you don't have time to read it, what do you do? You skip to the end and you read the last chapter. Guess what? We've read the last chapter. Evil is defeated. One day every 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 knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. Everyone will. Evil won't be destroyed. But evil will be defeated. And what a glorious day. That will be. Man, we might not understand it. We don't understand God's purposes and why God does what he does. But man, we just have to remember that God is on the throne. And he's still there. And he still loves us. And he wants to strengthen us, to give us the faith, to go through our severe trials, and he'll be there with us. And if he can't, if we can't avoid the storm, then he'll hold our hand as we walk through the storm. Maybe you're going through a storm today. Maybe you're going through a trial. Maybe you're going through a tribulation in your life. And you think, why? I thought I was doing everything right. Why is this happening to me? But man, if we just strengthen our faith. And how do we strengthen our faith? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's how you strengthen your faith. Romans 10, 17. So if we strengthen our faith in God and we hold his hand and we trust in him. And even though we can't see the other side, we know he does. I end with this story. One day there was a plane flying over a mountain road. The pilot looked down on the mountain road. It was windy. 
There was an 18-wheeler down that windy road, and behind it was a car. And that he could see that car bob out, trying to look, because that 18-wheeler was going so slow. So that car would bob out, try to see what would come, and then a curve would come up, and he'd get back behind the 18-wheeler. And this pilot could see this car trying to pass this 18-wheeler, but because of the curves in the road, he couldn't. What the driver of the car didn't know was that the pilot could see the whole road. And the pilot could see for miles there was nothing in front of that 18-wheeler. The pilot could see that because the pilot could see the bigger picture. The driver couldn't. We can't see the bigger picture. God can. We need to trust that. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. Every head bowed, every eye closed.